I want to go back and read the first part of chapter 11 of the book of Acts. As I was sharing with Pastor John this week about what I felt like the Lord was laying on my heart, there were some things that uh, um, felt like, okay, the story of, of Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, Cornelius, I can't even say it, that dude, Cornelius, kissing him, that dude in the book of Acts who was praying and an angel told him to send for Peter, um, was covered. But then I, as I was reading, it's like, no, there's some more things that I want to be able to share with you that I felt like God wants us as a church to take notice of. So let's look in Acts chapter 11. I'll begin with verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began to explain it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing, un nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at the very moment, three men arrived at the house in which, in which we were, uh, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Heavenly Father, we have read together your word. Now, Lord, speak to each heart this morning. And, Father, speak to us collectively as your church. Show us what you want from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I had entitled this passage, Stealing God's Glory. I want you to think about that as uh, uh, go to the next question. What happens 
If you owe somebody something and you don't pay it, you buy a house, you owe for the house, and you don't pay for the house, what happens to it? If you borrow money for a business and you use that money somewhere else, what happens to that business owner? Worked for one. He took $25,000, bought his wife a car. Couldn't understand why he ended up in jail. What happens? We're withholding. It's a way of, uh, of stealing. And sometimes we steal God's glory. We don't give him the praise and the glory that he deserves. Now let's look at this passage again. Uh, and kind of look at it from the standpoint of being there in that first century. First thing that happens, rumors are spreading all over the whole area. They're hearing these rumors. Man, did you hear what Peter did? Those guys went up there and they ate with the uncircumcised people. And they get back to the church in Jerusalem. And the church leaders call them in. What are you doing? The rumors are spreading. They're confronting people, Peter, on the rumors. And they said, this is wrong. You can't go eat with those people. It's an accusation that's made directly at them. And Peter, Peter's response What was it that Peter really did? In that situation, he's in front of the church. What was it that Peter did? Peter's response is his testimony of what God did. He was involved. But it is a testimony of God's working and God's working through him. Now, as he reports to the church... We, today, we get new information that wasn't included in chapter 10 because it has Peter reporting first person. This is what happened to me. This is my testimony. But there's something else that it also includes some of Peter's reflections as he thinks about what's happening. It's not just that this happened, but you see how Peter was thinking about it at the time. What's happening in his mind as God is using him to take the gospel to somebody that's very different. In fact, these people were considered unclean. And if you touched one of them, you had to go take a bath and you sure couldn't go in and eat with them. And so Peter reflected on it. Let's look again, just, just looking back at, at uh, the verses 4 through 17. Just look at Peter's response, and let's kind of think about what new information we get. Think about the first-person report, and think about Peter's reflection as we look at this again. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying. First person. It's a first person testimony. 
And in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me, looking closely, looking at it closely. That's a reflection. We see that Peter's really thinking about it. Looking close at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and birds of the air. I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. Behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were. First person, plural. Those guys that were with him. We were there. This happened to us as a group, as a body. Um, And I lost my place. Oh, there we were. Uh Verse 12, and the Spirit told me, go with them, making no distinction. He adds that. That wasn't earlier in chapter 10. Peter's understanding that God's not making a distinction between people. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Plural, first person. But I didn't do it alone. It wasn't just me. These guys are witnesses with me. They are together in this. They entered the house and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak... The Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Here's an us, the whole church, the whole body. That's the us, the guys he's talking to. We became believers. We got the Holy Spirit. It happened to us. You know what I'm talking about. In verse 16, and I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Thinking back on Jesus' teaching, if then God gave them the same, uh, the same gift to them as he gave to us, collectively us, the whole body, When we, all of us who are in this room, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, that I could stand in God's way. (laughs) Look at what he's just done. He says, all these guys, it's a testimony. We went together. We went into the house. God moved. He moved the same way there as he did with us. All of those guys were believers. Everybody that's sitting there, they had received the Holy Spirit. And he is including this whole church. Now, look at this from the original audience viewpoint. 
those men that were sitting there making the accusation, and it may have been women too, I don't know. The people, no, Carolyn says, no, women wouldn't do that, you know. Uh, Oh, the human heart. Now look at it at their viewpoint. Okay, these are Jewish background believers. They're followers of Jesus Christ, but they've all come from the Jewish background. To the Jews, the numbers were very important. The vision happened three times. Why is that important? Well, to the Jewish mindset, three was the divine number. It was a confirmation that this is from God. You also remember back when in uh, uh, Exodus, when Pharaoh, or excuse me, in Genesis, when Pharaoh saw the, um, the vision or the dream, and it happened twice, Joseph said that, oh, this happened twice, that means it's going to happen quickly. Well, this vision happened three times. <laughs> it happened really fast, because Peter's thinking about it, and bam, here, here the guys are knocking. But it's a divine number, that it's God speaking. We also see that there were six men went with him. There was a group of seven, seven witnesses. Seven was the complete number. In the book of Revelation, you see the judgment. You have three sets of seven. It's divine judgment, and it's complete. It was the way that their minds thought. But there's something else that's there. Peter says this triggered a memory of Christ's teaching. I remember what Jesus himself said. John baptizes you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hey, they got the Holy Spirit, so let's baptize them with water. <laughs> so it was, they, that, that was what happened. We see that Peter saying, this reminded me of what Jesus was teaching. And look at the church's response to Peter's testimony of what God was doing. If you look, verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent. Really, what else was there to say? What could they say? No, God didn't do that. Uh, I guess they could have said that, but there, there wasn't a, a way for them to reply. They just fell silent. I personally think they were really thinking about this. They were coming to a new level of understanding, and they're like, this is part of the picture they hadn't gotten yet. They hadn't received that understanding that the gospel was for all people, including the Gentiles. They fell silent and they glorified God. Now, depending on the translation, your translation may say that they praised God or gave him honor. And I don't know if it was out loud or if it was in their hearts that they're glorifying him. It doesn't exactly say what their actions were, what happened. But what it does say is that they glorified God saying, 
Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. (laughs) Thank you, God. Exactly, because that's us. I asked before, how many people in here are of Jewish descent? (laughs) Last time I asked that, we had one. The rest of us are just pure Gentiles. We're the ones that it was granted repentance that leads to life. It's you and me. That God gives us the gift of salvation. It's amazing. But here's something that I want to point out. What if Peter had just kept quiet? What if he had gone into that council and he said, you know, it's none of your business what I did. <laughs> what if he had gone into that council and just didn't say anything? What if he had gone in and had not really shared what God was doing? See, this is why I titled the message, Stealing God's Glory, Because when we fail to report what God is doing, we withhold the praise and the glory that God should get. We we hold back people. We don't give them the opportunity to see God working. We don't let them praise God for that because we've remained silent. We felt like it's a personal thing. Now, of course, that triggered a question in our house this week. It was like, well, Carolyn, how much of this story should we share? (laughs) I'm reminded of Tuesday morning, Carolyn and I had a Bible study with a a lady in another town, and it's like, okay, it just needs to be in an appropriate way at an appropriate time, appropriate setting. Uh, We don't have time to share everything that God's doing. But we need to be able to share so that others praise God. We owe God the praise and the glory He deserves. And when we withhold that praise, we are stealing it from God. We're not giving Him what he deserves, we should share so that others glorify God. Now, I know some, one of the, the thoughts that popped into my head as I was thinking about this week, well, when Jesus was teaching, didn't he say, when you give, don't let your right hand know what the left hand's doing? You know, yes, he did, but the context was don't do it for show. <laughs> you don't work and serve so that everybody praises you. It's so that you praise God. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, um, let's see if I can find it here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. This is in the same Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was talking about nobody lights a lamp and hides it under a basket. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works And do what? 
Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We, as a church, should glorify God together for what he's doing around the world. We thank him for what he's doing here. But what about the movement in China? What's happening in India? How do we praise him for the hard times in Nigeria? Those Christians, our brothers and sisters, have stood strong. God should be praised for our brothers and sisters that stood and gave their life. God is at work. And we as a church need to share the stories of what God's doing in our lives or through us for the purpose of glorifying God the Father.